Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. Today on the Flyover Conservative Podcast, we have a real treat for me personally, and uh, I hope that you're just going to join in and listen. I encourage you right now, let me give you a couple of tips. One, get some notes. If you're listening on Apple or Podbean or one of those places, you're on the treadmill, everything we mentioned today will be down in the notes below. The links, pictures, um, uh, book links, documentary links. There's going to be a lot of resources coming at you today. When we first began this podcast in January of 2021, we made a list. We called it our Dream 100. There's our 100 people that, well, if, if all the cards fell just right, who would we want? And it had, of course, we put, you know, Donald Trump on there. That's not happened. But, you know, Dinesh D'Souza and, and Michael Flynn and, and lots of people. And and one of the first names we put on today, the list was today's guest. Um, I'll give you a couple of, of, uh, of uh, specifics here. She has a, a, a degree in chemistry, which is kind of a unique background for where she ended up um, and then uh, got her law degree from the University of Florida. She served in the military intelligence as a, as a cryptologic linguist, spent over 10 years as a, as a uh, top prosecutor in the state of Florida. She's a uh, created over two documentaries and over six books. Um, the, one of the first things I want to find out is she's actually maybe a vampire and might be close to three or 400 years old to accomplish all those things might be the case. Today we have Chris Ann Hall. You're like one of those characters from Twilight. Yeah, <laughs> I guess there could be worse things you might call me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you look at and that. there are worse things they have called me. So, <laughs> well, you, you, you love America, and that's going to draw out uh, some 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 names from from the left. Sometimes I judge people by who who likes them. Sometimes I judge them by who doesn't. That says just as much. And I I, I want to use our time just as wisely as we possibly can. I joked with you before we went on. I would love to like put you in. Uh, like a, our omega juicer and like just squeeze everything out of your brain and just turn it into like a supplement. People just take to take one shot of it and all of a sudden they would understand what we have our hands on here as as a as a country. We joke a lot on this show that if 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 you had a, a savings account with a hundred thousand dollars in it that some uncle left you, but you didn't even know it existed, you wouldn't complain too much if somebody hacked in there and, and stole it because you didn't even know you had the money. And that's what I feel like a lot of people are at today when it comes to our rights, our liberties, our constitution, and, and they just don't have an appreciation of, of where it came from and, and all of the tributaries that led towards the formation of our founding documents. So with that, that I'm going to make this time yours. I want to be sure to talk about your course and geek out on that. Here's my notes from when I took your course a year ago. And uh, everyone on our, our team and everyone that we ever hire in the future is all this mandatory project. They're going to go to the Liberty First uh, project there, libertyfirstsociety.com, where you can have all the curriculum, all the teaching aids. But I want to make sure we cover that today. But other than that, I just want you just to share a, a little bit of what people are maybe missing about the founding of our country and, and why that's pertinent right now. Well, you know, I just have to sort of get the focus right. I think that's where it all began with me uh, because there's some misconceptions out there about what it takes to be a constitutional scholar, right? I think that's one of the greatest stumbling blocks 
and lies that have been perpetrated upon the American people is that to understand the Constitution, you have to be some kind of scholar. Uh, you know, you're 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 not smart enough to understand the Constitution because yeah. you didn't go to law school or, you know, you're not a politician, which is quite ironic because the, the mantra, the rhetoric is that, you know, you, the average American, isn't smart enough. You're not smart enough to understand the Constitution without our vetted training. But then for some reason, when somebody gets elected to office, maybe a dentist or a veterinarian or a car dealer or something, and all of a sudden some, some great white dove lands on their head and parts with them all the constitutional knowledge they need. And they're now the expert that you yeah. have to rely on because you yourself are too stupid. So true. And so... We have to understand and we have to break free from this elite intimidation uh, and understand that to to understand the Constitution, you, you really just need about a sixth grade level grammar un- understanding and sixth, way, sixth grade level grammar uh, education. It's sometimes complex. And I just wonder sometimes if I have to sort of reevaluate that whole sixth grade thing, the way Common Core and the way we're teaching our children now, you know, but it's not a complicated thing. The Constitution is not complicated. Government was not created to be complicated. And the first thing that we have to understand as Americans is that, yes, our government has become extremely convoluted, extremely complicated in its actions and in our ability to understand it. But that's only because we don't follow the Constitution. So if we followed the Constitution, government would be very simply non-complicated in its operation. And just to sort of give you a little illustration. Uh, James Madison wrote that the powers delegated by the proposed constitution to the federal government are few and defined. So we didn't just give them a few and let them run from there. We didn't just make a list with definitions. No, we said, okay, you are in a few and defined box. And Alexander Hamilton actually described government as being in a box. And that's the one thing because we've been trained to be afraid of trying to understand the Constitution. And then in school since 1833, we've been taught the wrong things about the Constitution and government. We've created a perfect modern storm of deliberate dumbing down of the American people to create this behemoth, overwhelming, seemingly uncontrollable beast of government. Would you think that would be the biggest thing that our our, our founding fathers, if we had like a, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure time machine and they could come to now and they and they saw it, would they just be like, oh, no, you didn't. You know, you think that's probably something that would jump out at them just right away of just the things they were warning about kind of as is maybe what we've become our government instead of being like this this lean healthy like triathlete you know is kind of more like a character from like wally that can't get out of his chair anymore you know the government itself dc yeah. is like just is is so overwhelmed with its own bureaucracy that it can't even move hardly 
Well, I totally love how you think in these these pictures, these movie scenes. It's it, it's <laughs> great visual. I'm a I'm a visual learner, so I love it that way. Um, you know, I have read I I, I years years worth of not just some somebody's understanding of the Constitution, but of the people's writings themselves. We call it original source material. And then uh, you had mentioned we have our classes at libertyfirstsociety.com. And that's the unique thing about our classes. You can get constitution training in lots of places, but even in, in the most conservative platforms, that might pop in your mind immediately when regarding constitution, uh, they stray away from the original source documents and they start teaching from things that other people wrote about the constitution or what the Supreme court says about the constitution. Our training relies exclusively and entirely on what the people who wrote the constitution Mm. wrote about the constitution. That's huge. That's what's happened in the church. that's where you'll get the the most reliable information on how the constitution is supposed to be applied and how government is supposed to work right and so when you ask me what would you do you the bill and ted's excellent adventure travel back in time what would our founders say i can tell you most assuredly they would not be surprised at the government that we have today they actually had a very clear understanding of human nature mm. uh, about, you know, as Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. And as Patrick Henry said, I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided. And that is the lamp of experience. I know no way to judge the future, but by the past and that understanding that, you know, there's certain self-evident truths like the declaration of independence talks about in human nature that we keep revisiting because of who we are and everything that they did, this conversation between the federalists and the anti-federalists, this beautiful conversation that created and coalesced into our constitutional Republic was an understanding and an application of both human nature and liberty and government. So how do we maintain liberty and government when we have this aspect over here of human nature that's always really, really excellent at screwing this up? Yeah. So they would not be surprised. They, I think they would, no, let me re rewind. I know they would be disappointed because Jefferson himself was disappointed in the trajectory and in his later years. Uh, James Madison in 1798 was giving a presentation as James Madison, the uh, member of the House. You know, he's a member of the U.S. House in 1792 district in Virginia. And James Madison in 1792 was expressing his dissatisfaction, his disappointment, his alarm at the trajectory of our Congress in 1792. Wow. So. I believe they would be disappointed, uh, but not surprised knowing about human nature. And that's the one thing that we understand when you when you properly study the history and the application is there is not a single question 
that we ask today. And, and I've been doing this for over a decade now. And I have been challenged by Republican leaders and Democratic leaders. The Southern Poverty Law Center hates me and is always publishing bad things about me. I, I think at this point, I have seen the core principle of every question regarding, you know, is the Constitution a living, breathing document? Does it actually apply today? What's its problem? Why is the Constitution failing? I've answered all those questions, uh, not because I have some con- some divine gift of genius, but I've been able to answer every one of those questions. Is it a living, breathing document? How does it apply today? What does it mean? How does it work? Because those who drafted and ratified the Constitution already asked and answered all those questions. Wow. So there isn't a question out there today that the people who wrote the Constitution did not contemplate. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what are you going to do about your finances? If you went back to 1920 and you had a $20 bill and you had one ounce of gold, you could go into a men's clothing store and you could buy an entire suit, the jacket, shoes, pants, wow. belt, everything. Today, what would that $20 bill buy you? It wouldn't, you couldn't buy a handkerchief for the $20 bill, but that one ounce of gold would still buy you. Even today, it would buy you an entire men's suit, shoes, belt, pants, jacket, everything. That's the difference. But today, that change is happening faster than ever. And we know a guy by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott that we've known for over 25 years. He has two PhDs. This is who we're actually using. This is who our friends and family are using. And he's a guy we trust completely. And in today's era, you need somebody you trust. So go to flyovergold.com and learn how to protect yourself against an inflating dollar. Man, wait, you know, it's kind of like you see in church a lot. It's more popular, I'd say, just in the last 20 years, I've seen a trend where there's more, Beth, more Bible studies and different things going on where people study more what other people have written about God than what is in the Bible about God. Mm-hmm. And in the, you can just see quotes like, well, it's like Jesus said, give man a fish to, you know, raise a day, free him fish, feed forever. You know, it's like, Jesus didn't say that, well, you know, uh, but you, but you hear these things, you know, there's three or four people that get the, the recognition for every quote in the world. You know, there's a few of them, like Yogi Berra, you know, uh, you know, a few and, uh, and people just make up quotes that yeah. the founders say, I always tell my students, make sure that you, when somebody throws a founder's quote at you, make sure you go back to the original source of that quote. You got to find where the founder actually wrote it or actually said it because Many times the founder never said it. And in the times that it was said, a lot of times, just like at the Bible, Bible people are pulling things out of context. Yeah, it, it kind of serves their, it's, it's like, a, you use movie quotes a lot, but uh, the, you know, the Grinch, it's like the book of who that says that she cannot do it. And he's like, what's well, not in there? Well, it's, uh, it, uh, well, it, it should be, it should be, it's, it's in yeah. there somewhere, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. I love this near Abraham Lincoln. Don't believe everything that you read on the internet just because there's a picture with a quote next to it. But people yeah. don't go back to the original source documents on this. And there's a little right. bit of an unsaid assumption for one of two or three reasons that the founding documents are, are, are not relevant today for one of a number of things. One, because anything that happened more than five minutes ago isn't, isn't as smart as right now. Um, you know, TikTok is, is more relevant than the constitution, you know, whatever's, whatever's hot right now. And then mm-hmm. number two, uh, 
they're, they're, they're underneath a blanket of, well, there's a bunch of racist old white men, which has become like a category in itself that's almost like a rapist or a murderer or something like that. They just put a blanket on it, and then it's like, well, that's no longer relevant. There's there's two or three different things that happen that sort of, 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 of uh, try to tear down the statues that these guys even existed and, and all this that, that make everything that they wrote seem not relevant right now. And, and then the other one is, well, they're almost like cavemen because anybody before this, they didn't have the computer. They didn't have access to the information. We're so much more enlightened now than these idiots back there that could only speak six languages and studied Greek and Latin. And, you know, uh, those, those idiots there have no idea of, of the, of the wealth of knowledge we have now. There's, there's that vibe. What do you say there to the relevancy of those documents and the caliber of their authors? Well, First, you have to understand your audience, okay? I'm actually a professor at the River School of Government here in Tampa, and I have a research and writing class that we teach one quarter. And the first thing that I teach my students is, look, you have to know your audience. If you're going to convince somebody that they're what they believe is error, if you're going to convince somebody into believing the truth, First, you have to know your audience, and then you have to understand that some people are not going to receive what you have. So you just have to speak truth. And the truth in that is that people speak about the irrelevance of their documents. They speak of the irrelevance of the Constitution of itself because they have a completely ignorant understanding of the Constitution about our founders. I mean, you cannot really get around the fact that the Constitution is a contract and it follows the principles of contract law. That is an absolute fact to which, you know, the academic elite has sown the seed, the leaven of, of, of question. Oh, is it really a contract or is it a contract theory, right? Well, okay. um, no, it's really a contract because the people who wrote it called it a contract. So <laughs> if I'm writing something, it's my creation and I'm telling you it's a contract. That's not a theory. Okay. Right. It's an absolute fact. And a fact in writing contracts is to understand the application of the contract you have to go to the people who wrote the contract. It's a principle in contract law called the meeting of the minds. So you cannot dismiss the writings of the drafters and be able to appropriately and accurately apply the terms of the contract. That's number one. But when you have facts that ought to be indisputable, facts that are absolutely secure in in logic, in reason, and in law, in order to undermine the message, the next step is, right, because you can't get past the whole, this is a contract, we must apply the contract law, contract law says the meeting of the minds, the writings of the drafters are absolutely essential, you cannot operate the Constitution without the drafters meeting, so that's unavoidable fact, so when you have facts that cannot be disputed like that, mm -hmm. step number two in undermining facts is what we call ad hominem attack. 
an ad hominem attack is where you now say, okay, well, you know, you have to have the writings and the writings are relevant, but hey, that guy's a rich elite white slave owner who all he wanted to do was throw off some government so he could consolidate power to himself while exploiting women and minorities, right? So that is a fallacy of logic called ad hominem attack. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the facts. You attack the person. That's what it means in Latin to attack the person. And so the attack on the person can only have a foothold when the American people are once again educated into ignorance about who these people really are. At libertyfirstsociety.com, you probably remember this course. We have a course. We have several courses on this. My husband has a course called um, more than victims, America's hidden black history. We have a cl- course on uh, slavery and the American founders. I have a course on uh, the forgotten founders, the founding mothers that all gives you that all these courses give you not our interpretations, not our cherry picking, but the actual words from the original source documents on how these people felt about slavery, what they wrote about slavery, how they knew that they had to end slavery and that that was going to be a process which had to begin with declaring independence from Great Britain. I mean, the history David is so rich Mm. with their contempt, with their disgust for the institution of slavery and how that institution of slavery was forced. And I mean, with military force forced upon the colonies as British colonies that you cannot know the facts and still operate under this errant mechanism that that minorities were disregarded, that women were devalued. Now, look, let me give you a little caveat. This is not Chris Ann as a slavery denier. OK, I am not denying right. slavery. That's I am point. not denying that there were wicked people who treated people badly. You're going to find that in any day. Even today. Right, right now, yeah. Exactly. Because human nature never changes. But what we need to know as a cultural whole, aside from the wicked people who could not get over themselves, that the movement for independence and the recognition and the value of all people is undeniably focused as the Declaration of Independence says, based on the sound principle that all people are created equal and that all people are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights and that government exists for the sole purpose of ensuring that all people have equal application of those rights. Man. You get me fired up, dude. This is like a locker room speech. I love it. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what are you going to do about your finances? If you went back to 1920 and you had a $20 bill and you had one ounce of gold, you could go into a men's clothing store and you could buy an entire suit, the jacket, shoes, pants, belts, everything. Today, 
what would that $20 bill buy you? It wouldn't, you couldn't buy a handkerchief for the $20 bill, but that one ounce of gold would still buy you, even today, it would buy you an entire men's suit, shoes, belt, pants, jacket, everything. That's the difference. But today, that change is happening faster than ever. And we know a guy by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott that we've known for over 25 years. He has two PhDs. This is who we're actually using. This is who our friends and family are using. And he's a guy we trust completely. And in today's era, you need somebody you trust. So go to flyovergold.com and learn how to protect yourself against an inflating dollar. Um, all right, I got... I got Two questions. I know we're kind of a okay. limited time here. See if we can get these both in in one way or another. Um, uh, for those it's my listening, time. We'll get it in. We're fine. LibertyFirstSociety.com. You've got to go there. Do yourself a favor. If, you, if you're one of these people that looks around and says, oh, the problem with the kids today and all this stuff, and you have children, you have grandchildren, we're on summer break right now. Just just d- make a bet with them. Do something. You know, uh, blackmail them, leverage them, bribe them, whatever. <laughs> To, to go through one of these courses with you, the history of it will make the shows they're watching come alive. You know, there's movies written around today about, you know, people like uh, Athelred. He was king in uh, The Last Kingdom, you know, and, and so they're, they're repurposing some of these stories in relevant ways, but they don't know the contribution these people had to our founding documents. So, so I'm just talking to the listeners right now. Go to libertyfirstsociety.com. Go through these courses with your grandkids, with the child, with the neighbor, as, as husband and wife, you know, whoever. But just take some time and invest in this. It's going to make the world that you live in so much more uh, relevant uh, in, in some great ways. All right, two things. The first class that that we went through in your your program was you went through this idea of of, of uh, like state rights and how that came about with the the Vikings attacking you know England and how they kind of came together in times of need. But other, other than that, they had their own independent rights. And you went uh, Athelred through William the Second. I, I don't want you to explain the whole course right there, but you bring about this richness of when they sat down to write these documents. They mm-hmm. pulled from this and that, and it, it, this didn't begin in 1776. This was an accumulation of the best ideas man could come up with for hundreds of years. The Magna Carta, going back, just can you just uh, allude a little bit towards the tributaries that led towards their thought? This wasn't just a group of guys that got together and brainstormed and came up with something on a weekend. They had been accumulating this language for a long time. And then number two, if we could kind of end on the the big crescendo of, of peaceful noncompliance and people understand that, because I think you bring that about, and we're going to need that concept in our language moving forward with some of the tyranny that's coming against us. What is peaceful noncompliance and how could that be rolled out in people's lives on a regular basis? That's kind of a lot to fit in there, but no, it's okay. Um, we'll, we'll manage the, what you talk about the first, in your first question, the original course um, called the genealogy of the Constitution or the history of the Constitution is really the foundational course for from which we we take everything else. Mm-hmm. And it is the course that fundamentally, if not completely, establishes the proof that our Constitution is not a modern invention. It's not a living, breathing document in the meaning that it has to change with the culture and change with the times. Our Constitution is a standard for government that was not even invented in 1776 or 1789. 
Our Constitution is a document built on over 700 years of experience. Yeah. And I know there's other books out there like the 5,000-year leap and that sort of thing that, uh -huh. that give you the big 30,000-foot view. Uh, what this course gives you is the detailed view, which brings you back to where our Constitution conceptually began from a legal perspective. And you do it so entertaining that it's like on the edge of your seat, like these characters, when you talk about them, yeah. they come alive. I mean, you feel like oh, yeah. you know these people. I mean, when you're done talking about them, it's so rich in your descriptions. Yeah, so we begin in 1014, and there's uh, five documents that are written over those 700 years from which our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, and our Bill of Rights actually are derived. Sometimes uh, by principle, but many times in verbatim itself, mm. the whole institution of the American sheriff comes from one of those documents in 1215. And, you know, it's funny you said how, how compelling it is and how these people come to life. When I travel, because I've been traveling and teaching now across America, I've actually taught this in other countries as well. Um, I've been doing this for about 12 years now. And when I teach the middle school, high school classrooms, that's course. The one that you're talking about is the one that I always teach, the 700 years of history. Uh, and I cannot tell you, it's this is my reward, right? This is my reward. How many of these students, middle school, high school, come up to me and they say to me, wow, I wish I had a history teacher like you. Because yes. the history... And I don't know if it's by design or just by training, but our history classes are generally, with a few exceptions, you know, and individual teachers, you know, memorize these dates, learn about these dead people, and you're like, uh, Bueller, Bueller, right. Bueller, right? Yep, that's that's well, the normal. Yeah. Well, this history class, and this is the way I teach all the history classes. I mean, you've had them. A lot of what we do is history. History is not about memorizing dates and dead people. It's about living people and yeah. the trials and the tribulations and the lessons that they learned that are applied to us right. today. You know, kings uh, chopping off hands and feet and cutting off tongues and and. Brothers killing brothers to become kings and the, yeah. the real life battle and struggle for to, to, to maintain limited government and and expanded liberty in the possession of the people. Yep. It is a truly dynamic, if not inspirational history. And I love teaching that class. You, you, you make those components come to life because there are uh there's a lot of things that led and they had a lot of things on the table. Not everything made the cut. They're like, what is the best of what's been proven to work and works in alignment with, with God being a creator and our rights came there, not right. from a King. And, and who, who has, has used a language to express those values well. And how can we pull from that and then create as little as possible? You know, it felt like versus, egos of like, no, everything before us was trash and I'm going to make something new. You know, right. they had, a, they had a deep appreciation of we're standing on the right. shoulders of every evil tyrant and every great man that came before us and they Absolutely. pulled all the good. 
Well, and that's why Jefferson writes in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident. The understanding of that phrase, self-evident, means we've been looking throughout all of history, and there are certain elements of human nature that keep repeating. There are certain truths that repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat, uh, and it's it's just absolutely amazing. Last question to kind of finish on this note, peaceful noncompliance. Um, there's a lot of work going on right now. Uh, January 6th committee. There's a lot of things going on. They really want to put a squash on any noncompliance period. Yes. And, and, well, and so we, help people understand what are your rights within that? And what does it look like to peacefully noncomply? Well, I will just sort of start off by saying that um, we have a documentary. It's a nonprofit documentary that we have published. It's been out for a little over a year uh, called in in the documentary is named non-compliant. You can actually go to Liberty first society.com and, and watch it at no cost because it's a nonprofit film. And uh, in this 82 minutes, you will have a complete understanding of not only what is peaceful non-compliance, how has peaceful non-compliance been woven into the creation and the maintenance of yes. our constitutional republic? Uh, I think most importantly in today's time understanding, so many people, David, think that voting is the only way we are supposed to be controlling government, that that's mm. really the only power that we have to control government and that every other control in government is somehow an internal check and balance. You know, well, you know, the Supreme Court's got to tell us what everything means and right. the executive branch, you know, whatever. And so we are educated into believing that the people have really no power at all because voting is not your power to control government. Uh, I know we're taught that, but I believe that we are taught that on purpose because if you rely only on voting to control government, it will fail. So if mm. your sum and total involvement in government is going to the polls once every two years or you know, if we're totally honest, the majority of Americans only go to the poll once every four years. Right. Uh, you shouldn't be disappointed that government isn't doing what you want them to do, because that's not how government is supposed to be controlled. Voting is how we select people to represent us in government. It's what we do every other day of every other year. That is Come our on. control of government. And our government is controlled at the state and local levels most completely. You have very little control in America over federal government just by the numbers. Yeah. Look at how many people your county commissioner represents as opposed to how many people your U.S. House rep represents or how many people your state legislator represents as opposed to how many people your U.S. senator represents, your right. governor, the president. Just by the numbers game, you have to understand that your influence is so exponentially diluted at the federal level that it's really unreasonable to think that your power is federal. Yeah. So we have to understand that our power is local and through our constitutional republic design, our Local and state governments are designed. 
I'm just, can I just repeat that? Our local and state governments are designed to control the federal government. And in that same aspect, the federal government through the Constitution mm -hmm. is designed to be controlled by the state and local governments. And so yeah. our power is state and local. We have to understand that. And, and, people and are then learning the bottom that. line principle of this peaceful noncompliance is actually a constitutional principle. It's found in Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution. We know this as the Supremacy Clause, but we are taught the wrong thing about the Supremacy Clause. We are taught that the Supremacy Clause means that the federal government is superior to the state and local governments. And that's absolutely the opposite Wrong. of what that clause teaches. Yep. You know that you've had the class, but how <laughs> many people do you know that haven't had that class? Don't yep. understand that essential difference that essential there, because really in understanding that all your checks and balances exist at the state and local level. Well, and you're seeing it unfold in in reality in real time very quickly um, because during COVID, people were shocked when they lived in Michigan. And how come I go to the Walmart? I can't buy grass seed. And you live right. in Florida. You're just going to walk around footloose and fancy free doing whatever the heck you want. That's not fair. You know, yeah. and they're like, oh, maybe it's not all Trump Biden. You know, maybe there's, maybe there's other elected officials that play a role in, in my life. And my state is pretty powerful. My sheriff is pretty powerful. Yeah. And that's actually the source of our second documentary, which will be released in October. Uh, okay. And that's called Noncompliant to the Sheriff. How your sheriff is your greatest ally in the defense of your rights, your life, your liberty, your property, even from federal authority. And that's, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother course in and of itself. But peaceful noncompliance really rests in the core understanding that legislative acts, executive orders, Supreme Court opinions that are contrary to or outside the Constitution have no legal authority. You are not bound by them. That's what Article 6, Clause 2 says of the U.S. Constitution. And by the way, I have now studied all 50 state constitutions. I have taught wow. them. Uh, the majority of our state constitutions have similar verbiage in them. And so what we have to understand is that when Congress is creating laws, when the executive branch of the president is issuing executive orders or mandates, and even the Supreme Court is issuing their opinions, the the standard for applicability of those, for authority of those, is the Constitution. Remember, we're sort of coming full circle now because I said to you in the beginning, Madison said the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. The Constitution is not a starting point for government power. Right. The Constitution is the end point for government power. It is the only standard. So anything exercised outside delegated, specific delegated authority, anything exercised contrary, like shall not be infringed, <laughs> to the Constitution is actually null and void. And 
peaceful noncompliance comes in with the understanding that, hey, if I have no legal obligation to do something, then I must understand I only do it by choice. Mm. And I choose not to. And I'm not going to. I will not comply with these things that are not based in solidly authorized by the Constitution because they're null and void. And it really sounds simplistic. But I want, and that's part of the things that you learn from LibertyFirstSociety.com, right? Yep. Is that learning the Constitution and the proper application of the Constitution is not complicated. These things just simply are not complicated. The complications come when we refuse to follow them. Man, Chris Ann, I have more questions I want to ask you than I did when we started this episode. We're, we're past the amount of minutes that you allotted for us. Thank you so much for your generosity with your time, with your energy, with your ideas. Everybody go to libertyfirstsociety.com. I encourage you. I just, I dare you. Take a course. You're going to be blown away. Take the, Just take the opening lesson, and I dare you to stop. It's like uh, something you would binge watch, you know, but it's good for you. It's like finding pizza and donuts that you lose weight eating them okay it's 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 like it's like something you can actually do that's better for you than than netflix it'll help you to lead better by example everyone has people that are following them your children your neighbors you have co-workers we all have an influence where we are we say on this show almost every day people wanted donald trump to do 80 million things to save america the real answer is 80 million americans doing one thing each day to save their own country this equips you mentally to probably be the smartest person in every room you enter and definitely have better conversations at the water cooler if you take this course. And uh, I would love to have you back. I'd love to have uh, more discussions. Oh, anytime. You've written six books, two documentaries. I I don't know. You said uh, how many, 22 states a year you travel and speaking. You're going to be coming through Missouri this summer, the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th of Missouri. You're going to be doing a barnstorming tour across. People can go. Can they find those dates on the LibertyFirstSociety.com or is that on the ChrisAnnHall.com? They they need to go to ChrisAnnHall.com. That's where the calendar is. Um, our calendar puts out all our public dates, uh, where we're going to be, the times, the locations. So if you just go to ChrisAnnHall.com okay. and you click on the calendar, it will pull up. Um, you know, you can choose. It pulls up the monthly view or something like that. Perfect. And then you can see where we're going to be. You can see right there on the we'll screen. Give you the exact we'll put- dates and times. We'll put the, the links down below. So again, if you're on on, on Apple or, or Pandora or Podbean, any of those places, uh, it's in the links below. Chris with a K, chrisannhall.com. You know, it's funny listening to you. I probably have heard you, you know, 100 hours or so outside of this. And so to actually have a conversation with you, I'm like, she sounds just like that. She says the word authority, just like that in real life. You know, it's like there's <laughs> you have a cadence and a pace and a way of saying things. I'm like, oh, it's so cool. So it's kind of, it's it's a little uh, surreal hearing you after taking you know so much of, of your course you've had one of the biggest influences on my wife and i and our kids oh, and you. uh uh it's really inspired me to go back and revisit some of these things thank you so much for your gift this is the battle we need to win it's a mental battle and uh you, again you're you're equipping people to be able to do that in a really powerful way and i thank you well thank you very much for the opportunity to be here and we're happy to come back anytime you'd like for more great content Go to flyoverconservatives.com.